0: What's going on? Welcome to the show. It's uh, Friday and uh, News Talk 1110 993 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. And the phone number's there. Uh, the email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. That's the email there. And uh, then the Twitter is uh, at Pete Callender. There you go. Now you have all of the ways to get a hold of me. Of course, if you were on the Facebook last night, then... I mean, I was hanging out in chat. That was fun, though, listening uh, and watching Vince and uh, Brett on the Talktoberfest last night. I mean, it's where all the cool people were. I'm just saying. Uh, We got one more next Thursday. So hope to see you there. For that, uh, National Institutes of Health Principal Deputy Director Lawrence Tabak, 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 I think is how he pronounces that. Anyway, he informed a leading House Republican lawmaker that the agency kind of did fund the gain-of-function experiments. Okay, then just moving on now. Yeah, funded gain-of-function experiments on bat coronaviruses in China. So is, is that the trifecta there that, yes, we funded it? Yes, it was gain-of-function. Yes, it was on the bat coronaviruses. And yes, it was in China. Oh, four. It's the 4 Ah, after a year of denials from the agency's leadership. Remember Fauci with Senator Rand Paul? You do not know what you are talking about. That's what he said to Rand Paul. Tabak said that uh, its grantee, tell me if this name rings a bell, Eco Health Alliance, I'm as shocked as you are. Yeah, the very organization that Rand Paul asked about that. Has been the subject of multiple news stories. I have talked about Eco Alliance. Yeah, they got the grant money from the taxpayers via the National Institute of Health and the NIAID, which is the uh, was it Allergy and Infectious Disease uh, Institute. So, Tabak said that Eco Alliance first told the the NIH. In August, that it conducted the gain-of-function experiments at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China for about a year. But it was back in 2018, 2019, so whatever. August. EcoHealth Alliance told the NIH in August that, yes, it had done this stuff. Oh, and by the way, it had done it a year prior, actually going back two years and they just never told the NIH. Is this more of a? Is this like a plausible deniability kind of route that they're uh, they're taking, or is this just an oversight? Sorry about that. Oh, our bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally mailed you that report. Totally didn't get there or something. Eco Health Alliance told NIH in August, which means that when Fauci denied all of this. It was after August. It was September, right? So are we, are we to believe that Fauci wasn't aware of it? Tabak says that EcoHealth failed to immediately notify the agency that they had created lab-generated coronaviruses that exhibited a greater than one log or 10 times increase in growth. That's not troubling at all. <laughs> oh, no, why? I mean, sure, we're just like souping up some of these uh, potent viruses. But, I mean, it's happening in China, so obviously it can't affect us. EcoHealth failed to report the finding right away, as was required by the terms of the grant. Tisk tisk tisk. says Tayback. This letter went to... House Oversight and Reform Committee Ranking Member James Comer of Kentucky, quote, EcoHealth is being notified that they have five days from today to submit to the NIH any and all unpublished data from the experiments and work conducted under this award. Additional compliance efforts continue. EcoHealth informed the NIH in the progress report that it created a lab-generated, SARS-related, Coronavirus called RWIV1 SHC 014S. Or, as I like to call it, the end of the world. This uh, virus was more pathogenic towards mice with humanized cells than the natural virus on which it was based. That's gain of function, right? You cycle it up. So this way you can—is this way you don't have to wait for it to mutate? It just takes a long time. I mean, look, we're still waiting on the other variants to come around the bend, right? So why wait? I mean, it took like you know almost a year to get the Delta variant, and now we got to wait for like what another year for there to be some other really scary variant. So how about we just mutate this ourselves, and we'll just ramp it up, cycle it up, and get to the really scary part sooner? Yeah. And then, I mean, for science, obviously, and we could study it and then we'll know, like, this is how people will die from it. Because look, oh, it escaped the lab and now people are dying from it. Tabak added in his letter that despite EcoHealth Alliance's failure to properly report its activities to the NIH, that the viruses it studied, quote, could not have been the source of SARS-CoV-2 and the COVID-19 pandemic. And I don't know about you. But I kind of feel like EcoHealth and the NIH have earned our trust at this point. So, nothing more to see here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, led by Dr. Anthony Fauci, approved a research grant for EcoHealth Alliance for work that was to be done in China. And it involved the transfer of $600,000 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Fauci has insisted since the outset of the pandemic in early 2020 that his agency did not fund gain-of-function research in China. Rutgers University professor Richard Ebright An outspoken opponent of -of gain-of-function research said Wednesday that Tabak's letter, this is the National Institutes of Health Principal Deputy Director Lawrence Tabak, who wrote a letter to the House Oversight and uh, Reform Committee telling them, oh, actually, yeah, uh, about that, yeah, we actually, we did find out that we gave money to EcoHealth, and EcoHealth did, in fact, do that gain-of-function research, but they didn't tell us, so we're letting you know now. So Tabak's letter proves, according to Ebright, it proves that the NIH and its top leaders, including the NIH director Francis Collins and Fauci, lied when they claimed that they did not uh, fund gain-of-function research. Yeah, like at some point, when you start seeing the reports on this stuff, and by the way, I am reading from uh, the Daily Caller report by Andrew Kerr, dailycaller.com. When you start to see the, uh, the reporting on this topic and the, the, the quotes and then you get the documents and um, you go and testify at the Senate hearing and you start getting questions about this, at some point, if you are in charge, do you not go to one of your staffers and say, hey, do me a favor, can you look into this? I'm not aware of us doing any of this stuff, but, you know, maybe there's something out there that I'm not aware of. They keep saying EcoHealth, and they're saying uh, Peter Daszak, the EcoHealth Alliance president, who, by the way, remember, Peter Daszak was, this is not, by the way, this is not Lawrence Tabak. It's a different back altogether. This is a Daszak or Dajak or Dajak. Peter is his name. Lawrence is the other guy. Peter is the president of EcoHealth Alliance, who coincidentally, I am sure, orchestrated the now infamous letter that was published in February of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And this is why, by the way, in case folks are wondering, why, why do you spend all this time on this topic, Pete? I mean, really, does it matter at this point? What difference does it make, right? Like, in true Hillary Clinton fashion. What difference does it make at this point? We're busy fighting, right? We gotta fight, fight, fight. There'll be time for blame later. This is why I am so uh, angry at Eco EcoHealth Alliance, the NIH, and this lie, because I believed them. And this is what I do when people tell me stuff. That turns out not to be true. And I take that information and I provide it to listeners. This is how I burn them down. Which is what all reporters, not that I'm a reporter. I used to be, but I am not any longer. But, you know, some habits die hard. Um, This is what journalists, reporters, this is what y'all need to do when your sources burn you. When guys like Peter Dejak and EcoHealth Alliance orchestrate a letter to be published at the Lancet Medical Journal that dismissed all of the lab leak theory information as conspiracy theories and said, no, 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 COVID-19's got natural origins. It came out of the wet market because, you know, those Chinese, they eat some crazy stuff. Which always struck me as kind of a racist y thing to say. I mean, look, I understand they do like you ever see pictures of like the the Walmarts in China? Or the equivalent of like ugh. Yeah, the stuff they eat, I would not. Let's just say that. <laughs> I would not I would I do not have the stomach for the stuff that they put in their stomachs. So uh but then again it's a communist country, so God only knows, right, what they're forced to eat over there, it being commie and all. But Uh, The thing about communist nations is that they lie. It's really one of the truisms. It really about all GovCo in general, but really particularly the case with communist nations. Commies lie. Okay. So when, when China says stuff about, well, anything, you should always just automatically assume they're lying because they're communists. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, um, I relied on these U.S. scientists. I relied on these, dare I call them, experts, right, to tell us what the science was. Because I'm not a scientist. I don't have any idea how to do a gain-of-function research study. Got me. I would be walking through the cave. Actually, I wouldn't. You would not even find me in a cave In Wuhan at all, or actually is very far away from Wuhan. You would not find me in a cave like that, you know, with bats overhead. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not your guy for that. Not the bat dude. Not going to be that guy. Um, Scraping bat poop all over, you know. and and I wouldn't even know how to graft some sort of chromosomes or DNA onto a mouse. Onto a mouse? Into a mouse. Probably into a mouse. Right? Human cells or something. Couldn't do it. So I rely on people that do know how to do that stuff to tell me, hey, this is how you do it. And no, we weren't doing that. That's crazy talk. We didn't do that. We totally didn't do that. We told, okay, maybe we did it. That's what they did. And not only did they say they didn't do it, but they said any suggestion that this stuff was being done in the lab and that it may have broken containment. Because look, my view on it now is, to me, the evidence, and again, I am an Occam's razor kind of guy. The most obvious explanation, the simplest explanation generally is true. And so you look at the evidence and it is more likely than not that it came from a lab, that it came from China, that they were doing experiments. They were, And I don't know if it was intentionally released. I don't know if it was weaponized on purpose or anything like that. All I know is that the, that they have not found the uh, essentially the missing link. They have not found how it got from the animals to the people. So, if you're missing that piece of information, but I also see that this gain-of-function stuff, and then there was the other uh, scientist who came out a couple months back and said, no, he's got the smoking gun. That's where the evidence points right now. Now, that could change, but right now, that's where the evidence points, and so that's what I'm going with. And these guys who came out in February and said, you guys are insane conspiracy theorists if you think it came from a lab, they lied. They lied, and they need to be held accountable for it. This story about Allison Williams, she was uh, an employee at ESPN. She was a sportscaster, and she resisted the vaccine mandate at the company. She did not comply with ESPN's vaccine mandate, and so ESPN fired her. Um, she has now just been hired by Ben Shapiro's outfit, The Daily Wire. <laughs> so, And uh, so they made a big announcement today. Um, also asking, uh, telling people that you oh, you can get a, there's a discount code, do not comply, all one word, do not comply, and get 25% off for your subscription for The Daily Wire. There you go. Um, that is how you fight back, says Nick Searcy, who is... Uh, International film and television star. You may remember him from uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. He was, the, he was the abusive husband. He was the, I think that was it, right? Wasn't it the one with the train station? Whistle Stop, Georgia, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, I think that's it. And uh, also, um, Justified. He was Chief Deputy Art Mullen, among his many other roles. But, Nick, Sir, he actually filled in for uh, Limbaugh. I want to say uh, at least once that I recall, maybe twice. And he was a guest on his show at one point. So um, he's, and Nick Searcy, by the way, originally from Western North Carolina, went to UNC. Don't know how he came out. Not a commie, but he went to UNC. Okay, Um, so Joe Biden does his town hall meeting last night. Did you see this thing? No, nobody did. So I'll tell you, I just have one soundbite. And if you haven't seen the... The video of him standing there, like Beavis or Butthead—I don't remember which one it is. Who is the one that played Cornholio? The blonde. Beavis. That's Beavis. Okay, so he did a Beavis impression. Did you see this? Have you seen this? Do you know? Who, do you know whether he stands there with the fists, you know, clenched, stand like, like he's like he's playing like a Rockam Sockam robot, or he is a Rockam Sockam robot, or? I've seen somebody, because people are having a field day with this now on uh, social media, somebody uh, put a jet pack on his back. That's what it looks like, because he's got it. And he stood there and held that pose for no less than 18 seconds, which 18 seconds is a long time. You want to hear? Here we go. Start now. That's just nine. That was nine seconds. See how long that takes? I mean, that takes forever. I know I'm like setting off all the alarms right now. We're off the air. We're off the air. Not, that was only nine seconds, 18 seconds. And that's just how long the clip that I saw. It could have actually gone a little bit longer. But Anderson Cooper from CNN is asking him a question. And I don't know what Biden was saying or doing beforehand, but it's like he just froze in that cornholio position. And he's just standing there. See what I mean? It sounds like forever. It is. It took forever. You'll just watch. Like, is he going to drop his hands at some point? Is he okay? Oh my gosh, did he look at like Medusa and he's frozen now into stone? So what well, something has happened? Now, I will say there are a lot of people who are uh saying that, you know, Biden uh proved last night that uh he's you know, like one step away from invalid, which I don't think he was. He he actually did. He like on well. I know how this is going to sound as soon as I say it, which is why I kind of caught myself. But he does, he does impress me because I expect him not even to be able to string together enough words to complete a sentence. So that's my that's my expectation. So when he does put together a couple sentences and he actually pulls up some you know some factoids and data and he puts them into his responses, I'm like wow oh. Oh, look it. Good job, Mr. President. Yes, you did a good job. That's kind of how I... <laughs> that's kind of how I respond to it. I don't know why I have such low expectations except for the fact that, like, he kind of inspires those low in, uh, expectations. But that's the video you should see. It's only going to take you 20 seconds to watch it. Now, here is the audio, though. This is the audio clip that is troubling to me. And what I come away with, there was a piece by um, Matt Welch over at Reason.com. And you may have heard this term before, an off-ramp. We need an off-ramp. This has been one of my criticisms of North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. The media has quit asking about this. And now that we are, we're approaching what the 5% positive uh, uh, test results metric that they're now saying, ooh, we're going to get our mask mandates lifted because well, once we get 30 straight days of percent positive, so in other words, however many uh, people you're testing, if only 5% of those tests come back positive and we can maintain that level for 30 days, then we get the mask mandate lifted. We need an off-ramp and that 5% I have never been a believer in that metric ever because it it's based on however many people you're testing, right? You know how many tests I've had? Zero, zero, because I basically didn't leave my apartment for the first like year of the pandemic. I mean, I didn't have to, and everything was closed. So I'd walk around a little bit, go get the mail here and there, but like, that's it. There wasn't anything to go and do. So Uh, No, I I wasn't exposed to it or anything. Now, Christy, my wife, I think she's had one or maybe two tests. I think she had one. I think she's had one. That's it. We both got our vaccine. And so, like, that's my off-ramp. I'm off. I got the vaccine, therapeutic, and if I get sick, hopefully, you know, we'll have some treatments that have been developed by then. But this 5% positive Number, this, the, the uh, percent positive of the tests uh, or, or cases that test positive? No, because it's totally determined by the number of people going in for the tests. Come up with a better metric. You know what's a better metric in my mind? Infection fatality rate, that's a better metric. Case fatality rate, that's a better metric. You know what's also a better metric is uh, hospitalizations. That's a good metric to go by. In North Carolina, it does look at the hospitalization. You know it's not a good metric for me at least? is the, uh, the bed capacity numbers. You know why? Because they don't tell you how many beds are full with non-COVID patients. Yeah, so I would like to know how many beds of the total bed capacity are filled with COVID patients. And that's people who were admitted for COVID, not people who were admitted and then, hey, you got some COVID antibodies in you. Not those people. I don't care about those people. They're not infectious. This is the problem with the PCR tests, which is why, by the way, that wasn't a very good metric either. Because the PCR tests were running cycle thresholds of 38 plus. And even the experts said back in August of 2020 in a New York Times article, they said you shouldn't be running this thing anything more than about uh, 25 or so, 26, something somewhere in that neighborhood. And North Carolina has been running it at 38, which means what? You're over-magnifying these wisps, these remnants of whatever the the material is that you're uh, looking for to trip a positive on your test. The creator of the PCR tests say that it was, they're, they're uh, not being used the way they were intended. They were never meant, they were never designed to be used the way we're using them now for COVID. So that's just, that's just my opinion for whatever that's worth, okay? But we need an off-ramp. I'm going to play for you Joe Biden's uh, comments from last night. But first, let's wait 18 seconds. And it, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> News talk 1110.99.3 WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. What's the off-ramp here for the masks? I'm not even talking vaccines. I'm talking masks. What's the off-ramp? Okay, I'm going to get into this in the next hour. But first, here is the audio from last night's town hall on CNN, which is, I mean, look, that was uh, that was a, an in-kind contribution to the Democratic Party and the Biden campaign. At least I think that's what they thought it was going to be until, like, Biden actually got up there and started talking. Here is the question from Anderson Cooper and Biden's response uh, on vaccine mandates. As as many as, as one in three emergency responders in some cities like Chicago, Los Angeles, right here in Baltimore, are refusing to comply with city vaccine mandates I'm wondering where you stand on that. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let
1: go? Yes and yes. Uh,
0: By the way, that's a totally uh, that's a totally nonpartisan town hall audience right there. Right. Obviously. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They just, you know, hooting and hollering for Joe Biden talking about. Firing all the cops, firing all the EMTs. Like, have you guys actually thought this through? You want to you, you want to can a third of the cops, a third of the EMT responders, a third of the firefighters. And um, so, by the way, who, who do you think is going to show up when you call 911? Have you thought this through? How many, uh, and this is on top of, obviously, all of the defund the police stuff that prompted a lot of Police officers to leave that profession uh, over the last uh, year and a half. So, this just seems like, again, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But at some point, I have to start wondering are you trying to dismantle all of the police forces? So, here's the rest of his answer, though.
1: By the way, I waited until uh, July to talk about mandating because I tried everything else possible. The mandates are working. All the stuff about people leaving and people... You have... You have everyone from United Airlines to what? spirit all these airlines. Are, we're not going to get all 96, 97 percent of the people have gotten the vaccine. All the talk about all these folks who are going to leave the military if they're, they're mandated. Not true. You got about a 90 some percent vaccination rate. I mean, so there's a, the idea is that, uh, look, what the two things that concern me. Okay. One are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on. Freedom. Wait, what? Number one. Number two. What? The second one is that, uh, you know, the the gross misinformation that's out there.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, spare me on the gross misinformation. Uh, see my previous three segments about the gain-of-function research. Um but what is this mockery of freedom? What's up with that? Not to sound all Seinfeldian, but what is up with that? Have you ever heard of a president of America mock freedom? I'm not sure he's aware of this or not, but that's kind of our bag. That's our jam. Freedom. I mean, look, it, it gets us into some, yeah, it gets us into some uh, troublesome areas. Sometimes people take it a little too far, but um, this is, what we do we are proud of the freedom because and be like well everybody's it's like all unsafe like yeah that's one of the trade-offs but freedom yeah and so i i i kind of cringe at that aspect of it but also from a literal standpoint and this was one of the things that a lot of people Uh, argued with me about Donald Trump was that when he would say things, I would listen to what he said and I would take him literally. And they would tell me, no, 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 Pete, you can't take him literally. You got to take him seriously. I I don't have any idea what that means. How do you take somebody seriously, but not literally, but whatever. When I listened to what he just said, that I have the freedom to kill you. How is, how does that work? Mr. I'm against misinformation. How how does that work? You're vaccinated, bro. Are you not? If I'm unvaccinated and you're vaccinated, why do you need protection from me? That is a logical question. Well, because it's not 100% effective. Yeah, but you can still spread it to other people, too. So if I'm unvaccinated, you can spread it to me. You're more of a threat to me, right? So you should be self-quarantining until... I guess the end of time, or you die, either way, right? Like, isn't that the logical argument here? If we're not, of course, if we're not taking into account risk assessment, because why would we do that? That's just crazy. Why would you do an assessment of your own risk? Let's just treat people like lepers. This is really, it, this is a really informative time, because I got to tell you, like growing up, I would hear the stories from, you know, the Bible about leprosy. And I never really understood leprosy. I never understood, you know, the, you know like why people would, would treat somebody who's sick like this. It, it never, like, I, I, I mean, I understood the words and I, I had an idea of what they were talking about, but it, it wasn't real. It, it didn't, it was just this kind of concept, right? Now I know. Now I understand because that's what we're seeing right now. And back then, right, they didn't have somebody like Fauci, which I'm not sure, good or bad. But regardless, they, they did not have any kind of like scientific understanding of what was going on. And so it was just stay away, right? But then you had people that would go out and help the lepers, help people with leprosy. Can you call them lepers now? I'm, I don't want to—I'm not trying to be offensive. I apologize. It's like, you know— you, you, you got to say people with the affliction, not. OK, so the people with leprosy, the sick and they were they were shunned, right? They, they were put into literally leper colonies, right? They were just excommunicated, kicked out, banished from the town or the village or whatever, sent off to somewhere else to die because they would infect everybody else. That happened with. Uh, you know, smallpox and various plagues and the like. This is what people did; they they just kick you out, and that's what that's what we're seeing. It's a form of that. There is a there is a mass panic underlying a lot of these decisions, a lot of the reactions, and I think we saw a, we saw a flash of it in that exchange that the president just had on CNN. The people cheering like, yeah, yeah. Fire those people. Fire those cops and medics and firefighters. Yeah. Why? Because they don't have the freedom to get you sick? You're vaccinated, moron. What am I missing? We're missing some news in our lives. Let's get